0: right um, yeah my name is Johannes Schickling uh, I'm based here in Berlin and like one third of my time spent in San Francisco and yeah roughly two two years ago we started out GraphQL which is started out as a backend service based on GraphQL and serverless and we recently turned it into a GraphQL backend development framework and the intention is to turn it actually into a GraphQL database mm-hmm. so by database we don't mean like building another MySQL or another Postgres. We're actually using MySQL under the hood, but giving you an abstraction um, as a GraphQL API to work with your data, and also using GraphQL SDL to evolve your data, your data model, and map it to existing databases. So that's sort of a high-level description of what we're doing.
1: Um, how does that differ from what? various GraphQL bindings yeah. kind of do themselves in a, in a Ruby or JavaScript or whatever. Right, right,
0: right. So um, in, in the GraphQL tooling ecosystem, yeah, there there are a couple of different groups. So uh, I think what you're referring to are what's commonly referred to as GraphQL engines. So this is typically a core server library to implement GraphQL servers. So things like JS or Sangria and Scala or the, the one in Ruby or in Elixir and all of these. So they typically give you a code framework where you can implement typically so-called resolvers. And you specify your, your data model. Um, so the, the easiest one to grasp is called GraphQL Tools by, by Apollo. It's, it's a two um two-step process. So first you have to define your, your data model or uh, sorry, your your GraphQL API um, and your the schema for that using GraphQL SCL. So you write simple type definitions of how your schema should look like. And in the second step you implement functions that are called resolvers that basically return back a value for a specific field in your your schema. So that's typically called a a GraphQL engine. Um, And what we basically help people with is Inside of these resolvers, this is where you have to actually write your code. And what we found is that 80% of the code in a typical application is just consists out of this data mapping to a database. And this is where you try to map like your your GraphQL schema to uh, and resolve that in a most efficient way to, a, for example, a SQL database or to a REST API. And we basically help you to do the mapping to your to your database under the hood. And therefore, like, get rid of this 80% of the code that you can focus on data validation, your business logic, authentication, authorization. So it,
1: it very much fits in there. And then, so what What? what does a developer get after all that? Do you have your own kind of SDKs or right. something like that? So um, there, there
0: are a couple of ways how you can use it. Um, so all of it is open source. If you would want to just host it yourself, you'd basically, um, your architecture would look like this. You would type database that's MySQL, we're also going to support Postgres in the future. Um, in front of that, you'd put the GraphQL server, so that just, you just, just spin up a Docker, uh, Docker container um, that exposes an HTTP-based GraphQL API, and this GraphQL API you then um, reuse in your own GraphQL server, that's typically referred to as a GraphQL API gateway, um, and in this gateway resides your other. Author- authentication, your business logic, and. This is typically your final endpoint that you consume from your front end applications. Okay. So what you really get is this, uh, in, the, in the simplest form, a Docker container
1: that turns your database into a GraphQL lake And how might this compare to any products or projects in the kind of more traditional restaurant? Is there anything equivalent that people might have able to? Relate it to? Mm,
0: so, I mean, in the, in the simplest form, you can kind of think about Rails or any other kind of bigger Framework an okay. ORM so an ORM is sort of contempt to, to what, what we are doing so what an ORM typically does it's like a sophisticated query builder with a nice, nice uh, DSL around it yeah. so you you get a way to traverse relationships and all of that but typically what this does is just gives you this DSL you construct your data requirements and this ORM and this query builder spits out a big, sta- uh, a big SQL string That gets passed over to the database, and typically these end up to be uh, like they work work quite well at the beginning throughout development, and then as soon as you have like ten thousand nodes in your in your database, suddenly performance becomes horrible.
1: My early days of when I did more development were both with uh, Cake PHP, which was an early. MVC yeah, I've done a lot of uh, Laravel, then. and also Drupal. Yeah. Okay, driven, okay. Because we used to look at the database performance there, so we called one node and got like, <laughs> all this other stuff. Exactly,
0: and <laughs> typically works like you, you get off the ground really quickly. Yeah, cool. But then at some point, you're most uh, like your the most useful uh, where it's mo- the most useful, you have to kind of throw it out again yeah, yeah. and like write your own uh, your own custom queries because joins are typically not not yeah it managed really well. <laughs> so,
1: and, oh, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. So is this the reason why you've decided so far to stick with uh, MySQL and Postgres and no NoSQL databases because you want to keep following this kind of more relational ORM type model for now?
0: Right. So it, it has nothing to do with ORMs. I mean, this is, this is entirely what yeah, okay, what, what our what our software does. Um, but so we, we mostly picked uh, MySQL because we can run it as a cloud offering based on AWS OR. <laughs> which, which, which scales really well, also for enterprise applications. Um, and then on the other side, like we we have quite about quite a bit of background working with NoSQL databases, and definitely also have seen the the downsides of working yeah. in this schema yeah. less in this schema less uh, approach. Also for this, like we're exposing a graph API on top of your database, um, and that typically doesn't really work well with document stores. Yeah. Okay. Um, so this is why we're using relational database currently under the hood. We've also considered actually mapping this to a graph uh, to a graph database yeah. directly. Yeah. Like, things like. Um, like Neo4j, yeah. maybe, maybe Arango yeah. um, we haven't done so at the beginning because they were just like they didn't perform well enough for us. Um, we are uh, we are currently considering an architecture where the database under the hood is pluggable so that we would provide multiple database drivers we're starting out with MySQL Postgres is, is coming up in, uh, in in the future as well but we already have people who are now that this isn't open source um, people who want to actually contribute uh, a RangoDB driver, or okay. um, yeah. we're, we're talking yeah. to folks at Neo4j yeah. who, who are also yeah. interested in, in bringing this into the system. There's a strange amount
1: of graph databases in Germany. I don't know why.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Neo is not actually um, coming from from Germany. Oh, okay. But it's also a European company.
1: Yeah, I've, I've met them. I've just met them in Germany. In fact, there's a lot of databases will stop doing it. Yeah,
0: that's true that's true well so this, this might be also the, the tricky part about our position that we call it the graphql database but it's rather it's meant to provoke the yeah. right questions and people the yeah. right associations yeah um but it's well we're not actually building a
1: database no, it's no, just no. like the abstraction yeah of that. And I think that's probably best anyway <laughs> so what I mean GraphQL is pretty new I don't know. so it's, it's, yeah.
0: it's, it's been Released two and a half years ago, so, yeah, it uh, but it's in. like it's been in development since almost six years. So, yeah. did
1: you like the, the how long after it's released did you look at it and think this is something really interesting? I want to do something with
0: right? So, yeah. I, I have to take a step back there and yeah. since like I didn't just look at GraphQL and decide okay, this is gonna be big, um, but I like. When I get in, got into web development and start probably similar to you, like with, with PHP um, and like H, like all of, all of the, the the web development stack. And um, then I was uh, one of the first people who really believed in the entire single page application. Okay. Um, when their voice was just like Macbone was just coming yeah. out yeah. and I, I remember that I kinda naturally or intuitively refused building this monolithic stack okay. and rather said, Okay, I'm just gonna expose this via JSON mm-hmm. and figure all the front end stuff out in, in the actual front end. Mm-hmm. And I've went through like all these different Frameworks like started out with with Backbone, tried out Ember, uh, built some bigger apps. Was was Angular, and when React came out, and it was just like the very early versions of React, um, I immediately jumped on that because I, I saw this great abstraction pattern. And it was still there was like no Webpack back then, and there was like a very um, very horrible to to use at the beginning, but I I saw this big win. In terms of the abstraction I, I knew that like the tooling would get there and that, that this will make it mainstream eventually. So and I, I've never regretted taking this leap of faith. And when I once I saw uh Graf coming out, I saw the exact same pattern but like even the, the potential I saw in that was, was even even bigger. So um, back then when I when I first heard about GraphQL when it was just introduced at at, Graph, uh, at React Europe back then um, I was still um, working on my previous startup so the best I could do is like put GraphQL in the very top of my bucket list. Um, and like every every I had this routine that like um, every evening I just checked like Reddit programming and Reddit jump script all of these subreddits um, for like w- what seems interesting to me, and GraphQL seemed to push, pop up over and over again. So after I went through my, my previous company and we had an exit, we sold, it, sold the company, I could finally go back to my bucket list, and at the very top there was, was GraphQL. So this, this is how we, how we finally
1: got started. That was at the beginning of 2016. What, what appealed so much about it to you that you wanted to? to start a, a new business around it.
0: So, um, th- there were a couple of things. So, one, Rafke L seems to, um, for, for me itself, one of the biggest problem problems that I had with back-end development, which is that it introduces this, this layer that you can more easily extend and work with without needing to change the front end and without needing to change the back end and also even more the other way around that you can evolve your front end without constantly needing to to poke the back end team to to, to take certain certain adjustments so this additional layer in your your back end which, which currently is it takes a bit of time until people appreciate that so this is what i currently, what what i typically refer to as like pain driven development it's like a term we use inside of the, uh, inside of our team so what i mean with that is what 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 i mean with that is when you we're exposed to a certain problem, in, like to a typically very painful problem, yeah. and you see a certain solution for it. You really appreciate that solution. And most people who currently see GraphQL as an overhead, they weren't really exposed to this problem before. Okay, yeah. And when yeah. they had this problem, then it clicks way, way yeah. um, they, then it really clicks for them. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and and yeah, so this this is what would what made it, what made it so appealing for us. And then also from as I got started building. The, the first version of um, of what now GraphQL is, I um, I realized okay this is this is very this is very generic. My, my intention at, at back then was just to build a first GraphQL server to get a feeling for it, and realized how generic um, really this mapping from your from it from an API to a database is, and this was always uh, the the goal a backend service was trying to fulfill, but parse tried to fulfill. Five Firebase is trying to fulfill. Um, but from from a technical perspective, they never were powerful enough. Like when I tried to to use Firebase or cars, always hit the limits like after 20 minutes. Okay. So I could never really... Do you mean the limits of conceptual limits? <laughs> a so the... yeah. m- mostly on three technical levels. Okay. So one is uh, around the API flexibility. Yeah. So that you like you either get an SDK or you get a REST API. Yeah. So And this is where graphics. It just gives you the, the API flexibility that you need for your data model. Um, second was around authentication, authorization workflows. It's like never quite enough to just have a login with with Twitter button, but you need like your your. For, for your company your single sign-on solution and, and so on and also around extensibility we now have serverless functions as a great building block that enables event-driven architectures so this was there, there were a whole new set of technologies available that that weren't available back then when our started out so and this yeah, okay, is where yeah fair and,
1: enough it, has been around, it was around for a while wasn't it <laughs> exactly yeah. and
0: this is where we now said okay actually backend service now can work okay. and this is this is how we then um, decided to, um, yeah. to, to to go
1: all in, in and what's the, the Graf, I encountered Graf Cool I'll, I'll be it's very easy to make them sound quite similar. <laughs> sort of, I'll over over accentuate the differences because um, you run the GraphQL meetup here in Berlin which is pretty popular yeah. I've been to a couple of the, the meetups mm, um, and I think it's one what is interesting is always typical of sort of newer technologies. Is everyone is very enthusiastic. Everyone goes wanting, you know. There's no experts really and everyone goes wanting to have their problem solved. But of course, no one has that, enough experience yet. So, so, so it's sort of an interesting point in time. I find the same thing with things like chatbots and voice mm. interfaces. Yep. Yep. Everyone goes to these going, "Tell me all the answers." Like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm about one step. Of you. So, um, so what is the community like, uh, you know, I guess you are the only if not one of the very few doing something like this in space, um, how supportive is the community around that and I guess what is it like working with a, uh, it would be very similar with React, you with know, an open source project that is popular but is you know, dominated probably by one large company and so what's the community- Community. Right, they, that's a great yeah. question.
0: So there, I think there are a couple, couple of aspects to unpack there. Um, so, um, there, I would say besides Facebook, where GraphQL originated, who's not too terribly, fami- uh, too terribly uh, involved in the community itself, besides being um, contributing great talks and, okay. and so on. Um, but I, th- I think there are two, two dominant players in the GraphQL space at the moment, which is us and. Apollo. So Apollo is the same company as MeteorJS, the, the popular JavaScript framework. Okay. And they basically also seen GraphQL as a as a big big opportunity. And then have built front-end tooling like Apollo Client, which is available for pretty much every, every front-end framework, also for iOS and Android. And are now building more and more server-related tooling. So they've, for example, built Follow optics, which is similar to what engine. Oh, what, sorry, what? um Damn it! What is it called again? Um, the the the, the server side monitoring, the, the the host one. Um, server side monitoring. Like we, we we get like a um a little. A little agent that we put into oh, your servers. New relic. New relic. Oh, okay. Exactly. <laughs> Blanked out for a second. So, um, so they've basically with Apollo Optics, they have built like a new relic for for GraphQL and uh, okay, okay. uh And now building uh, a bit of more tooling around that. Um, <clears throat> and together with them, we we try to help the community as much as possible. So um, we are trying to uh, to take as many steps as possible here in Europe. So we've done also the GraphQL Europe conference. Okay. I'm not sure where the where uh, there earlier this year we had like 350 people uh, attending, like a lot of people um, coming over from San Francisco giving great talks here some of our customers even flew in yeah. from New Zealand, from Australia which was fantastic um, and um, besides that there is also a fantastic online community so in GitHub repositories in uh, our forum in our Slack channel, Channel. and this is where we we've we seen like some people who were in GraphQL since a little longer. They really it's, it's like almost an urge for them to help other people to get into to, to get into GraphQL. And um, we always try to see what is the biggest blocker at the moment for people getting into into GraphQL. Um, and that was especially true at the beginning. So at the beginning we've built this technology and it was suddenly really easy to build a GraphQL back and the biggest problem for people then was like, well, I don't have no idea how, did, how I can use it in the front end. And the only yeah. way how you could use it in the front end was using Relay. And there was not really documentation yeah. around Relay. And this is
1: actually my experience. I found it's actually typical of a lot of especially new technologies. Is you get to a getting started guide and you go through it and it's like, great. I get it. And then you're like, now what? And there's always this huge disconnect between getting started and then doing the next thing. Exactly. And you kind of get stuck at that point. <laughs> exactly. So um,
0: what do you, yeah. what you had from Relay, this was the Relay for, um, is the first GraphQL client developed by Facebook. And that was pretty much the only thing uh, available at the beginning. Um, and so we had, like, a lot of people who were excited about GraphQL as a as a promise, but it wasn't really, uh, like, that you can go there and say, look at this full stack example, this is how you do it. Yeah. Yeah. There was just like, we provided them a way how to set up a backend, but then the next step was really to use Relay, that was before Apollo grind was really out yeah. So, as a first step, we've created LearnRelay.org, which is basically a, from zero to production tutorial, that teaches you everything you need to learn. Did you
1: about. Also do the GraphQL one, the Learn? Sorry? Did you, are you also responsible for the Learn GraphQL one?
0: Um, um, so, Learn GraphQL was even before that, okay. and we, we took some
1: inspiration from that. So I found that quite useful, but again, you get to a certain point. The, my main struggle was I understood the syntax and I understood the schema, but I didn't really know how to incorporate it into exactly. That was it. Exactly, exactly. So, um,
0: and, and I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. So, what we've done after Learn Relay, now that Apollo client took more and more, more, more off, is we've created Learn Apollo uh, okay. as well. So it was a very similar uh, setup. And back then, we already had a bigger community that came in through Learn Relay for example we we had these people also helping out to learn Apollo so now we really made it super super simple for people to get started in the front end space as well and then the next so this is where we unlocked the getting started experience for early adopters so the next step was like for people who kind of heard about this GraphQL thing and the best way for them to get started was to, through Learn GraphQL um, but this Kind of teaches them syntax and how to how to do certain things, but it never really put it into context for like where how that fits into how that fits into your stack and how you take this beyond writing your hello world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So things like authentication, authorization. Yeah. How, where do you put what? Yeah. So um, and at the same time. Uh, Learn GraphQL was actually taken down, so there, there was this void in the space, and we tried to together with, with our community, we created how to GraphQL. Yeah. Um, maybe
1: that was Maybe that was <laughs> Okay, okay.
0: Yeah. And so and how to GraphQL is basically now replaced Learn Follow and Learn Relay and gives you basically for every front end and every back end technology uh, an inter- a, con- a connected getting started experience from zero to, to production care. Yeah. so th- this is, so around learning we're trying to
1: contribute a lot to the community uh, it's, it's so I mean getting into a little bit more detail about the company um, how are you able to do that I mean I'm Guessing you probably had some funding to begin with. So um, it can't be very long, right? <laughs> so,
0: um. So back, then, back to the beginning of uh, 2016, I was basically, the, the very first days when, when I got started, I was basically taking this idea, taking the first prototype, bringing up a couple of my friends you who know, were freelancing and asking them whether they would want to use this for the, for the next project. And getting all of that excitement back, this is what really pushed me to, to get going. And one of the people who have asked whether they would use it was a friend of mine who I met in London and uh, he told me, wait, I've built the exact same thing three months ago, and he just like bought an airplane ticket, jumped on the airplane the same weekend, and this this ended up becoming my co-founder, and since then we're basically working full-time. And, um, yeah, pretty much over the first um, seven to nine months, we've been bootstrapping okay. that's quite quite affordable here in, here in Berlin.
1: Yeah. Um, also in London. <laughs> yeah,
0: definitely. So this is where we've moved out of London. <laughs> uh, um, and, yeah, then over over the course of the of the summer, we brought in a couple of other people. And to be able to, to pay them, we then took in uh, a bit of an early investment yeah. and we were fortunate enough to get people like the founder of Furuku um, as, as an angel investor okay. and a couple of other people. It's actually a very appropriate investor. Right, in right. Yeah. And it's been, it's been super, super helpful for us. And, yeah, so that that money has basically kept us going yeah. on now, and we're, we're looking to to raise our our, our next
1: financing. You, you mentioned some, some customers, and you don't necessarily have to mention who they are if you don't want to, but... Um, I guess the first question would be what are the typical use cases you see? Are there particular industries or use cases that a lot of people are usually using GraphQL or GraphQL? Right. So I think there are a
0: couple of distinct customer segments. So one is because we're putting so much of the focus on the getting started experience and on the community, there are a lot of hobbyists who are just trying this technology out and just getting started. And I think that's super important. This is what made React really successful. Um, and this these, these people we wanna help as much as possible. And from these people, um, some of them end up being like they, they try it out on the weekends, but they actually end up being a project manager at a bigger company and they say like, okay, we, we wanna we wanna look into GraphQL anyway and we don't want to we don't want to build a big GraphQL API manually. So they introduce that. In, inside of the company. So we, we see that as spreading out from smaller teams within companies um, up to the point where we talk to their infrastructure teams and they make that the default um, database for inside of the company for, for new projects. But we've also been working with a, with a couple of bigger um, bigger enterprise companies who use that, for example, inside of their offering to their customers that, that they ship with, with all of their installments to their the various use cases and um,
1: so you mentioned that the hosted uh, AWS Aurora option right so do you have a commercial product now already
0: right yeah. so to, to to better understand yeah. our, the distinction between what's open source and what our commercial offering looks like so our entire technology stack is open source mm-hmm. so if you want to you can just host it yourself um but we also provide a hosted version of that uh and this is what we call GraphQL Cloud. So there, there are two versions of that. So either um, what we call a shared cluster. So this has traditionally been our back-end service offering that runs on a big installment that we maintain for you. And um, what we, we, we got a, this is what the majority of smaller customers are using. Um, and there's also a free plan where you can get started super quickly um, without needing to set up anything. But we got a lot of feedback Back from our bigger customers that they cannot have their their sensitive uh, inf- information stored, <laughs> stored in a, in, a, in a public yeah. cloud. So this is where we when we introduce private clusters. So this basically allows you to connect your AWS account to the Crossbow platform. So we we help you to provision and and monitor and do operations for your own installment, and you get all of the the
1: benefits. And all of the features of the graphical platform so, um, still, yeah. yeah and um, I guess so what would you say are some of the upcoming uh, developments that excite you A for GraphQL and B for GraphQL <laughs> right so
0: we, I've just been coming back from the GraphQL summit conference two, two weeks ago there were, was so amazing to, to meet all of these other big companies who are, uh, have adopted GraphQL over the last year IBM has, has talked about how they how they It's like IBM's adopting everything Yeah, but (laughs) they're really also in the forefront there. We've been um, in in close touch with with Facebook again, and they're, for example, looking more into what real-time APIs look like around GraphQL. Um, So there there are a couple of spaces that that particularly excite me about GraphQL at the moment. One is is real-time. The other is tooling that makes it just so much easier to um, to work quickly with GraphQL yeah. without, um, that just gives you a safe environment, especially leveraging the, the type system of GraphQL and building proper tooling around this also that uh, improves your workflows. And um, on the on the GraphQL side, we're currently in um, in the process of extracting these core components of the framework and making them standalone. Is what what I mean with, with the GraphQL database. And we're working on a completely new API design for that. We're working on more um, more robust migrations that you can put it into your CI pipeline and uh, and also some, some of our more workflow oriented features around the data browser, we are releasing a new version of the GraphQL Playground. Okay. So, there, there are a
1: couple, couple of exciting things coming up. Cool. And just anything in the very immediate future any talks, events, uh, announcements, blog posts you've got coming up over the next couple of weeks that you really want to Right, sure people right. right.
0: So, we're, we're planning to actually have the first version of the GraphQL database okay. released by hopefully by the end of this year. Okay. So so that's something to to look out for. Cool, awesome. Thank you very much for your time. Awesome. Yeah. Thanks so much for for having this interview.